Hi, you've tuned in to Vita Food Stories, the podcast that explores the innovations, influences, and breakthroughs defining the future of health and nutrition. With Jessica Rabino, Senior Content Marketing Director. Welcome to Vita Foods Digital Week podcast. I'm Jessica Rabino, Senior Content Marketing Director, and today I'm joined by Blaj Goryuk founder and chairman of Pharma Linnea, a company dedicated to providing clinically substantiated private label food supplements. We are in the midst of some very challenging times. Many of us have probably been home for weeks, if not months. Many others were going to be joining in Geneva for Vita Foods Europe, all of this due to the global pandemic. We know that even after we weather this health crisis, and we know that we will, an economic one looms. However, health has never been more important to global citizens. Blage is here to discuss with us how companies in the food supplements industry can adapt new product launches and market strategies to the upcoming economic crisis. Blage, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Jessica. I wanted to get started maybe just giving us an intro to who you are, what you do, and kind of an overview of health crisis versus economic crisis and your current outlook. Uh, first of all, thanks uh, to everyone uh, that's joining us. Uh, and let me just first say this. Uh, this podcast is not going to be the universal solution for all businesses, and we are not going to pretend to have all the answers. Uh, what we will be able to provide is we'll look at some different cases from previous crises in 2008, uh, how our part- partner launched and sold 115k units in the first year, or how a different yet uh, similar company went from challenger to market leader in the crisis years. Uh, how did they adapt? What type of uh, products did they launch? Uh, that we can discuss later on. But first things first, I think before a product launch, and this is what we're discussing right now, we're, we're not so much in discussion about what will sell or what won't continue to sell, but about the product launches. We all need to consider today which products are a must-have and which ones are nice to have. The nice-to-haves are probably not the ones you would want to launch, and for the must-have, we, we can later on look at the examples in the podcast. Great. Thank you, Blash. So can we start by just talking a little bit about what we can learn from the 2008 crisis, obviously looking back and seeing how we've overcome similar, but of course, different challenges can help us pave the way for navigating our future challenges. So um, what did we learn from that? And can you kind of outline some successful cases of strategies that emerged at that time? Well, we're not really sure how we can uh, extrapolate the now and 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 the learn from 2008. Uh, uh, there are some similarities, uh, but let's say uh, we as a private label company, the Farmalines, uh, and working with brand owners in well over 40 uh, countries, uh, we worked already in 2008 with several agile challenger companies who were fast enough in adapting their strategy. And this was basically the key, adapting to the new world. Uh, While others were hesitant, standing back, staying still, they uh, launched and they attacked and they significantly shifted the market share. Of course, we can expect this from everyone. The the huge pharma multinationals can do it, won't do it. But mid-sized or just, you know, the agile type 
constructed companies have seriously a good opportunity here. Uh, what our partners did, and this was uh, in uh, EU markets, was uh, that they launched a product uh, in, in exactly the post-2008 period. And uh, within a single launch, they achieved uh, well over 1.5 million turnover. Uh, the product they launched was very simple. The, it was actually a combination of two products, launching uh, liquid and powder form from, from our iron line. Uh, and the success, the success was there because the product addressed a serious issue and it was essential for health. Uh, the benefits of the product will, were felt here and now, and the product had the clear differentiation. It was uh, clinically supported and it was in the premium segment. Uh, and just to confirm the basic principle, a different case, a different company, not even our product, a uh, company also launched a product in one of the European markets, went from 12% of market share in 2008 to 50%, 50% market share in 2012. Their sales grew with yearly average of 42% in those years. Uh, what is interesting is that they actually created the market and they didn't eat away from the others, created in time of crisis. So obviously, these are some specific cases, and we're not saying it's everyone's recipe for success, but it's important to point out there are success cases also in a generally, let's say, more pessimistic markets. But maybe just going back to the, to the economic crisis, uh, one of the facts from 2008 is that the supplement industry was one of the least affected ones. The entire industry did very well in 2008, despite a global crisis. And we're not saying that necessarily it's going to be the same way now, but it's an encouraging indication that our industry may and most probably will be more resilient. Uh, even according to the latest report published in Harvard Business Review, is that consumer products addressing health are known and are falling under the essential category, which is least at risk during the, the crisis. Maybe to, to add to that is your monitor numbers. We were looking very carefully into what the forecasts were. Uh, and of course, there are various numbers of scenario, but under every scenario, except a complete catastrophic one, CIS consumer health sector forecasts well beyond the average, even amongst the top sectors overall. I mean, if you want to be in an industry that's, you know, that's still going to prosper for the considerable future, it's this industry, because the data also from your monitor reports is we're right there with the pharmaceutical and the essential food. But but let's look, even if we're looking at the, let's say, more pessimistic scenario, we're, even when the, the, let's say there's a big crisis and the market drops by 10 or 15%. What we would like to, to emphasize, it's important to remember there's still 90 to 85% left, yeah. For, the, for, for, for us who see the glass half full rather than empty. The question is, what do you do as a brand to consumer company? What type of products do you launch? Do you, how do you adapt your sales sales, your marketing? How will you be addressing this uh, later on? I think there, you touched on a lot of really important points, and I think there absolutely is great opportunity for the food supplement industry and just any health pro consumer health 
products. And even as you pointed out, if there is a drop, there still comes opportunity with that. I'm curious, which product categories do you anticipate will experience growth as a result of this? Um, and I have other questions that tie to that, but I'll start with just that one. Oh, okay. I mean, uh, there's a saying, and you know, it, it actually comes from, from, from our field of work. Uh, a crisis shows the difference between a painkiller and a vitamin. This means uh, going for the essential, going for the cure, for the the dropping the nice to haves, the lifestyle product, uh, that in new product launch. Consumers need to and need to see and feel the effect of the product, as nobody wants to launch a product with one-time consumer sale. But maybe to clarify that. We're talking about what to launch today, not what will continue to sell. Prophylaxis product will continue to sell. Omega-3s on the market will still sell. Bayer's and Pfizer's of the world will still sell their existing multivitamins. But do you want to be there with a new product launch? Probably not. We're talking about what type of product to introduce to the market right now. When things get tough, people will hold close to what they consider essential to their health and felt benefits. Specifically, I mentioned the iron deficiency is one of the key ones. It's a serious issue. It's a, it's a health issue. And it's, it's present crisis times or not. If you have a product that efficiently helps a serious issue, this is the best strategy to go with. Launch that product. Immunity. This is now a bit different because of the pandemic. We see an added effect. I think the whole industry is there's no doubt about it. Seeing the 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 demand for the immunity products now, and we expect this to continue in the future. It's a serious need. It's a primary need, but maybe just focus. You know, what can you do differently? Because there's so many products, and this demand will not be there forever and ever on the level it is today. Prenatal supplements, one of our most successful lines, also because it is one of the more essential indications. Two demographic groups that consumers will never try to cost, cut costs on are certainly pregnant women and children. Uh, another one, going back to, to the essence of it, it's pain relief. We just launched a back pain product that has already had some great feedback from the market. And it's doing great because it helps solve a daily present essential problem. If you present an effective felt solution for a problem, you have very good chances. Uh, other such similar categories, uh, we have good experience and we feel uh, that we'll do good in the, the, the times to come. Also includes uh, indications like prostate health, like incontinence, UTI, where there is an essential need and there is uh, a felt solution towards the problem that exists. Of course, with clear differentiation against current products on the market, you don't want to launch today a Me Too product. What we predict for the future, of course, prediction, you know, these days, if we would be able to predict the future, probably be there, uh, not having the, the, the questions out there that we're all having, I think, and dealing with. Uh, it's something we are addressing. Uh, so one of the things that hugely on the rise now are, are also the increased incidence of stress to people's lives. So beside a chronic stress, uh, we also developed uh, one targeting acute stress with the same logic behind it to address the most present need, the most felt effects. 
then there's also supplements targeting, let's say, cardiovascular, diabetes, kidney health. We're, we're not in this field specifically, but when discussion comes to that, these are essential needs. Uh, these are not nice to have, and they still follow the same principle. So our, our advice would be to for everyone to ask themselves before every decision to launch a new product in the coming times, does it bring clear value to consumer? What type of immediate problem or concern are we solving? So really, the, I, I, that's so important, the essential needs, what people, what consumers are wanting now, and then the differentiators in those categories. It sounds like those are kind of the two top of mind things that brands should be considering. Is that an accurate interpretation? Yeah, correct, correct. And how do you think, obviously, consumer demand and behavior plays into this? How is consumer behavior affected in these times, not of the health crisis per se, but actually of the economic crisis? And how should this be reflected in product launches? Is that really just back to the, you know, what the consumer needs or feel that they need now, um, as opposed to the, you know, maybe extras or things that they are less likely to spend their money on? Well, in general, uh, people choose, we choose what to buy in three ways. Either it's local, you know, your national or regional brands. We choose the best price or the best product. Typically, these are the three ways we buy into anything that we decide on. Even more so with less disposable income to work with. When there's less impulsive buying, it's a clear decision. Price, local, or best. Uh, what we saw is that products from the successful cases were the best in their segment. They had some clear advantage, clear differentiation, and they were not going for price competition because you can't compete with that as a challenger. Even though that's the, the natural crisis, economic crisis instinct. Don't get me wrong. If you're able to do it, it's a completely valid strategy, no question. There's space for that. For example, we can expect pharmacy chains to have good sales with their own commodity product lines, but it's hard for challengers. It's not what we're about and it's not our strategy. The worst actually is being somewhere in between. You know, you're, you're not really the, the lowest price, but you're not really the best product. I, I'd reconsider that. Uh, so, in general, all that's left in, in terms of being a challenger is try to be the best in a certain segment, which kind of brings us to the next point. Is, and these are the efficient products, clinically supported products. This is a product characteristic or, or strategy we advocate always, but in crisis, it worked for our partners. Because when in crisis, people want to be much more sure that what they invest their money in is what is worth it and what works. This is the other type of consumer that isn't hunting for the lowest price only. They will expect a solution and they are still and will be ready to pay for it. They do more consideration of the scientific background, more checking of the ingredient sales and studies. And adding to this is the pandemic itself because we're closed down to our, to, to our homes, our offices, our computers, our digital world. The increase in use of digital channels and of digital literacy is, is immense. The habit of doing pre-research pre is only getting stronger. And there is strong segment that is prepared to invest in something that they believe will help them and have actual effects. 
Absolutely. That trust in the product and trust in the company, not only to know that the product is going to be effective, which of course is so important here, but also just that, I think that sense of security and feeling like you can rest assured that the products that you're spending your money on during challenging times come from a trusted company as well. So I think there are a few layers there that are really important to instilling consumer confidence. And so um, I completely agree that the clinically supported piece of it is probably the number one differentiator. So I'm so glad that you pointed that out. The other piece of this, and before we move on to just kind of marketing and and positioning in the marketplace, is there anything else about product differentiation that you wanted to touch on um, before we make this pivot? Let's say the 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 weaponry that the the brands are right now are 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 uh, are able to use is is very limited. I mean, uh, you're not going to be able to focus on the brand and say, okay, we're this great company with this great message. So where can you actually differentiate? And and we're we're not seeing. So we're saying again, it's it's not going to be. A, you're not going to be able to go with the price today. I mean, there's always somebody with a lower price. Yeah, and that's that's the battle downhill, uh, unless you're strongly prepared for that. But if if you can if you think that you can and you have space for that uh, this is uh, this will be in synergy with your brand it's the scientifically supported clinically substantiated products that actually give you the differentiation on the market okay you can go with product forms differentiation with improving taste uh, experience on the product but this may be more on the nice to have side of it than than uh, the actually the actual delivery of what the product is supposed to 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 do yeah it's interesting cuz those like delivery format and um, some of these more innovative formats feel like they fall in the novel category, which and certainly can be convenient and helpful for consumers. But um, again, I like that we continue to focus on the true differentiation being around science and research supporting the product. So moving on to just looking at business strategies and marketing right now, what adaptation should brand owners consider in those areas? Intentionally, <laughs> I, I will not focus too much on the obvious. I mean, e-commerce, online activity effect uh, of the health crisis uh, on the consumer behavior is number one. We all see it. We all live it. We probably all get seven reports in our mailboxes a week uh, how this will affect the long-term behavior, consumer uh, mindset, etc. Uh, nevertheless, and going back to the point of differentiation, the key thing for our sector is that the trust held by doctors and pharmacists will not disappear. And you may well see the impact on premium clinically validated products moving considerably less towards the e-world in terms of actual decision-making and purchasing process. But to move forward, there are certain, let's say, more general strategies that we saw were beneficial in the, in the past and we feel will still follow much, much for much the same pattern. But I would, you know, go with the disclaimer. These are principles and every company knows best for themselves and their identity how to apply this. The first is promotion. When times are good and everyone is advertising, screaming, promoting their products, if you scream to it, it gets lost in the crowd. So let's just imagine 100 people screaming out loud. I start screaming as well. Well, it's kind of hard to push through. 
that's kind of settled down these days. So when times are bad, the big companies tend to pull back, hit the brake. So it's a bit more quiet. And that's your chance for the promotion. That's when you're hurt. Different markets, different cases, of course. But one example in terms of promotion, also uh, available uh, through through launching the products, is we saw extensive sampling campaigns work really, really well. Because that's how you actually convey the message. Okay, I believe in my product and my product really works. And here you go, test it out. Second is communication. Uh, the past few years were, were the, the, the years of the brand, the brand leading the way, you know, uh, the focus was on the messaging. We're company X, we're great because we do this and that, and we have such and such principles and our values that guide us. So what we're seeing is that, okay, let's stop. What, how do we need to adapt? Okay, and the, the focus, probably one of the better focuses for the future is product first focus. If anything, brand go follows the product, but that's it. The focus of the communication should be how you solve the problem, how you solve the individual's problem. And this product that you're launching, your special product will solve it in this and this way. And this is the value the consumer will receive. Whatever story we have, you have as a brand goes on a lower priority right now. So the message is, and it will benefit, of course, the brand, but the, you will come to trust us through the efficacy of our products. The third one is business processes. Uh, a clear benefit we saw from the past was agility. Agility in business processes and speed in decision-making. Conventional timelines, the old processes with budgeting, innovation boards, and subsequent meetings, considerations, so on, these either need to be thrown out of the window or kept as a parallel process. Successful partners adapted with the new expedited processes where decisions were made fast. Either positive or negative decisions, both are okay. We're not saying, you know, everything should be positive. No. While also keeping in mind defensive strategy is a completely legitimate strategy in itself. Nothing wrong with it. It's just that making no decision is a decision in itself. So no decision can mean opportunity is gone and it can mean losing time and focus on things in a period where you don't have time to lose and focus to spare. Well, thanks for breaking that down. I think that's so helpful for companies just trying to understand how to be agile in ways that maybe they've never had to be before and figure out how to make decisions quickly and not be paralyzed by that indecisiveness that can come in times like this when there is a crisis and maybe some of that longer term strategy has to be put on pause while we make quick decisions that address the current needs of the marketplace. So um, that is extremely helpful. And I think also the industry recognizing the opportunity here, they say that out of adversity comes opportunity. Do you feel that this is the mentality that the industry should have right now? Should have. Will we all have it? No. Do we have it? Yes. Are we looking for partners who share this? Yes. So there are always certain opportunities for certain business models, even during the tougher times. Every company should adapt and prepare, no matter what their strategy is. 
if nothing else, at least to have a good starting position for when the economic situation inevitably improves. So it is of critical importance right now to reevaluate the launch plans, to know which products are essential, which have a chance in the current scenario, decide if you want to go for a proactive approach and then committing to it with an adapted process. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Blaj. This has been very enlightening. And I know that our audience, our listeners will really appreciate all of this information and some inspiration and tactical advice for moving forward. Any other words of wisdom before we wrap up our podcast today? Glass half full, half empty. You need to decide, but whatever you decide, stick to it. And there's uh, nothing's wrong with either of the decision, but, uh, yeah, we're we we're for sure uh, have made a decision. You know, our glass is uh, half full. You know, maybe even more. And uh, we we fully believe. You know, as the history tells us, uh, we will overcome this. And even if things sometimes look bleak, one uh, one of my colleagues, uh, one of our board members, said, you know, one of the 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 essence of every crisis that that the economy. And, and people bounce back much faster than anybody expects. And yeah, let's learn from that. And I'm, I'm sure I am a strong believer in, 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 in doing good things. And, and, and uh, there will be, you know, there's always sun after rain. Definitely. Well, thank you. I am team half full as well. And <laughs> <laughs> thank you for this today. And thanks everyone for listening. We have lots more great content throughout Vita Foods Digital Week, and we appreciate you listening. Thank you for joining us, Blash. Thank you, Jessica. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day. You've been listening to an Informer Markets podcast brought to you by Vita Foods Digital Week. <laughs>